Wine and Crime contains graphic and explicit content that may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. You are listening to Wine and Crime. Why are you whispering? I'm talking in my NPR voice. It's too quiet. I like it. (laughs) I fell asleep for a second. Oh, God. (laughs) That's just zenned out. You are listening to Wine and Crime, the podcast where three friends chug wine, chat true crime, and unleash their worst Minnesotan accents. Ooh, that was a good one for me to pantomime. (laughs) <laughs> I'm so I glad. I always pantomime along with Kenyon doing the intro. Me too. I am so glad. I do. Yeah. It's all for you. <laughs> it's all for you, Damien. <laughs> <laughs> I might have casual Tuesdayed this a little bit. I can't <laughs> Sunday fun day is happening now. I've ripped three shots and it's happening now. Really? <laughs> My God, I well, need to get on it. I went to the gym. What's wrong with ew, me? Uh, the fuck? <laughs> Fucking invasion of the potty snatchers over here. <laughs> uh, I command you to stop exercising. And... <laughs> That no. goes along with the topic of this episode. Which is which being is told by Kenyon. Fucking God, everyone knows <laughs> I'm Kenyon. <laughs> I'm Lucy. And I'm Amanda. And apparently I'm carrying this team this week. <laughs> What's wrong like with me? Denver I'm just the sober green. one. You are the sober one. I just feel like I have to triple down on enthusiasm today. Well, why? I was making a segue. So (laughs) the topic of this week's episode is a very special fan pick brought to you by Lauren Monson, fellow Minnesotan gal. O-M-F-J. Mm-hmm. And I just read Lauren's email. And as far as I know, Lauren has no personal connection to this topic whatsoever. Great. I would hope not. This came out of left field then, Lauren. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and it was real depressing to research, so thank you. The, the atrocities of the government. My section's real dry. <laughs> yeah. My case is real dry because I realized that I was like having flashbacks to grad school and I was really interested in it because like sure. I've written a bunch about this, but actually... It's going to suck. So uh, the topic. (laughs) (laughs) We'll make it fun. We'll make it. We'll make it fun. We'll make it fun. The topic this week is command responsibility crimes. Oh, no. Mm -hmm. As in, he made me do it. Yep. He or she or they or neither or both. I saw Goody Proctor with the devil. Devil. Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> it's just a puppet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh. All right, let's get right into the wine. I could use a top off. Yeah, I need Fucking to get yeah. drunk before I start my segment in five minutes. Uh, Here we go. You should have started early like I did. Um, okay. 
So this week we are drinking a selection from our amazing sponsor, Wink Wine Club. Ever wow. Which is ever heard of it. It's an online wine club that quite literally delivers wine to your door or your Walgreens. And they have a couple ways to play. So you can peruse their amazing inventory. They even have a flavor quiz. Like if you're real new to wine, you can Mm -hmm. take a quiz that has been expertly curated to help find wines for you that fit with your tastes. How Mm -hmm. fucking cool is that? I've taken that your tongue will love. Yes. I've taken this quiz like four times. I just like taking it. Yeah, I've Mm -hmm. also taken it several times, and their recommendations are always spot on. It's actually kind of fun to take it a couple times uh, throughout the season because then they'll recommend wines that are new Mm -hmm. that maybe you hadn't tried before. So definitely check out that quiz. It's super dope. Um, You can order a la carte from their website, just like if you have a once-off that you totally want to get. Maybe you have a wedding coming up and you want to give a cool exclusive bottle to Mm. the the persons-to-be. Um, but my recommendation is to subscribe because <laughs> you can get basically an automated four bottles a month that just mm-hmm. like you trust them and they show up, but you can obviously, you have opportunities to customize that box of wine and they'll be like, Hey, you have time to customize, come look and blah, blah, blah. And then you put four or more bottles in that box. They take care of the shipping. Holy cow. Mm-hmm. How great is that? What a deal. What a deal breaker. And then they send it to your house. It's amazing. So today from Wink Wine Club. Oh, and here's how you get to it. I'm already drunk. Um, go to trywink.com forward slash gals. That's T-R-Y-W-I-N-C dot com forward slash gals. And sign up for that subscription. You get 20 bucks off your first box. It's immersing. Mm-hmm. When mm-hmm. I use it and I use our promo code when I first signed up like over a year ago, I got like six bottles of wine for like $30 because of that $20 off. It's amazing. It was awesome. So today we're drinking one from the Quiver Malbec. And some of these notes are from the Wink website, and then I included some information about the region. So um, this is from the winemaker and Wink chief wine officer. So how could this be any more perfect? (laughs) Yeah, Uh, Brian Smith's love letter to Argentina. Brian made us do it. Yes, Brian made us do it. (laughs) Smith's focus on balance, sourcing the best fruit available, and picking it at the optimal time have created a Malbec that brilliantly showcases the country's most popular varietal, as well as its most prolific winemaking region, Mendoza, which is Mm. on my fucking bucket list. If you ever Mm. look at pictures of the Mendoza wine region of Argentina, you'll, like, cry. The Catalina wine mixer? Yeah, but Mm -hmm. in Argentina. (laughs) Uh, So Mendoza is a large province nearly the size of Illinois that is home to 75% of the Argentina's vineyards, and Malbec is the region's most celebrated grape. So if you are drinking a Malbec, there's a really good chance that it's not only from Argentina, but it's from this region, which is super crazy. They put out, like, the most Malbec in the world, and they do it right. Mm. I've had Argentinian Malbecs, which are amazing and, like, earthy and juicy and nice and balanced. I've had French Malbecs as well, which are wildly different from Argentinian Malbecs. Are they? 
It's bonkers. Wow. If you ever get the opportunity to do a side-by-side taste test of a French Malbec and an Argentinian Malbec, you will not even believe it's the same grape. You know what? Just, I can do that in my next Wink Wine You box. should. You should. It's super fun, and it's a really cool, like, oh, yeah, the soil and, you know, the viticultural region make a huge difference to the taste of the wine. It blows my mind every time. Science is amazing. Mm. Uh, so this particular bottle uh, has some sweet spice and sun-baked earth on the nose. Mm. To combine with cherry on the palate for authentic Argentina in a bottle. So, yeah, if you're drinking an Argentinian Malbec, you're going to get that nice, like, dark, ripe fruit balanced out with some, like, earthy spice. It's not too sweet. It's going to finish nice and dry. It's not, like, incredibly tannic, so it shouldn't give you, like, a massive headache. It's so good. I love Malbec. Always a great go-to. This is 13.6 ABV and a papper. So if you need the tools to pop your wine, go to wineandcrimepodcast.bigcartel.com and get you a nice pop wine key and maybe Mm -hmm. a multitude of other incredible unique products. A multitude of other sins. (laughs) Shall Um, we? As you pop, as you get it ready, why did we choose one from the quiver for command responsibility crimes? Well, you know, a lot of command responsibility crimes that I researched were like war crimes. Mm-hmm. 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 And so one from the quiver just kind of made sense. It gave it like an old school vibe. And also this wine was literally made and selected by the Wink's chief wine officer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he literally made, made them us do, do it. it. Yeah. Yeah. So I Got feel it. like this is a multi-layered perfect pairing. Mm. Got it. Mm. Love yeah. it. Pop okay, that we, sucker open. Pop that, pop that, jiggle that fat. Don't stop, get it till your clothes get wet. Mm. But if your yes. clothes get wet, you did it wrong. And if they do get wet, you can reach for a gal's beach towel. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm done. I'm done. Okay, ready? Yes. <laughs> Go. Ooh. 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 Fresh Fucking commanding, commanding pop. <laughs> and I'm drinking, okay, because I got really jealous of you guys last week when you were drinking out of your gifted etched wine glasses from mm-hmm. a fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mine do you says mommy fucking likey and the U is like a sloshing wine glass and my little secret etching on the bottom is my name and the Deathly Hallows symbol from Harry oh, Potter. I love it. Uh, those so wine beautiful. glasses are so thoughtful and beautiful. And mine is dirty because I drank out of it last night. So I'm drinking <laughs> out of a normal one now. Pouring into it right now. <laughs> to the top. It has a meniscus. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, everyone. Cheers. Cheers. I'm refilling mine, right. too. Literally three shots of Don't Grand Marnier since Lucy. 11 o'clock this morning. So this is gonna be you amazing. and your Grand Marnier. I know. I love it. And I'm doing a drunk dri- drunk, drunk, dri- bleh, drunk dive after this, <laughs> I so know. I have to be prepared. We got to hit mm-hmm. it. Something tells me you'll be prepared. Mm-hmm. I had multiple Negronis and a lot of red wine before coming home from oh you're such God. like a an dinner old, party. You're like an old mafia boss <laughs> yeah. with your yeah. Negronis you're sh- and red you're Sharon wine. Sharon Stone and Casino. I love, okay, thank you, mm. yes. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> okay. Mm. So I'm going to try my best to make this as interesting as possible. Whatever, also, this wine's delicious, so I don't even care. <laughs> 
Also, while I was writing my notes to Kenyon's earlier comment, I was like, oh my God, this is so vague. Kenyon's going to interrupt me here and here and here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, I am. Oh, God. Okay, well. We'll try to resist. We'll, we'll both try to resist. I mean, if I'm wrong or if you have anything interesting to fill in, go for it. But there are there is so much minutia that I did not include on purpose, so we don't need to spend an hour on this. Well, and Kanan and I have long cases today because there's a yeah. lot to cover. Okay. So we'll just right. breeze through your, your section. Just stop me yeah. if I'm wrong about anything, which I'm, I'm not. Let me even stop you attention. right there. <laughs> <laughs> about anything? Anything? Actually. <laughs> well, technically. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> Kenyan's plane. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my hey, god. I'm still paying off the loans for the rights oh. to Kenyan's plane about this topic. So. What loans? Your student loans? Yes. Never heard of them. <laughs> okay. If only Here we I go. should be so lucky. Here we go. We're doing this. Command responsibility is essentially a standard of hierarchical accountability, meaning that the boss is responsible for any shit that their subordinates are doing. So, like, sure. kind of the waiter spits in your food, you take it up with management. Yeah, I want to speak mm-hmm. to the manager. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Karen. It is sometimes referred to as the Yamashita standard or the Medina standard when the term is referring to the actual legal doctrine regarding war crimes. So just a little Mm -hmm. background on those two, because it'll sort of help us understand the concept. Thank God you're going over this because I kept seeing that when I was doing my research and I was like, I don't want to learn it. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Lucy will take care of it. I got got you. So Tomoyuki Yamashita, FYI, was a general in the Japanese Imperial Army during World War II. And this is a quote from Wikipedia. After the war, Yamashita was tried for war crimes committed by troops under his command during the Japanese defense of the occupied Philippines in 1944. In a controversial trial, Yamashita was found guilty of his troops' atrocities, even though there was no evidence that he approved of or even knew of them. And indeed, many of the atrocities were committed by troops not actually even under his command. Um, Yamashita was sentenced to death and executed by hanging in 1946. The ruling against Yamashita, which is holding the commander responsible for subordinates' war crimes, as long as the commander did not attempt to discover and stop them from occurring, can be known as the Yamashita standard. So Mm -hmm. that's just one nuance of this command responsibility doctrine mm-hmm. uh the is that co- they don't have to actually say go do this right. it's just they should know what the fuck their people are doing yep. and actually it's often not a matter of the superior commanding their subordinates to go do something it's just that they could have stopped it if they were and doing fucking their didn't. fucking job and didn't yeah they didn't we're attempt, talk about that they didn't attempt lot. to discover it um that said Well, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Um, Okay, so the Medina standard is also included to clearly encompass U.S. officers so that both foreign and domestic officers can be prosecuted in the United States. Uh, Army Captain Ernest Medina was connected to the My Lai Massacre in March of 1968 in 
in which as many as 504 unarmed South Vietnamese civilians were murdered by U.S. soldiers, many of the women and children being gang-raped first. Holy fuck. Lovely. And I didn't... I've, I've, I know about this massacre. I've learned about it before, but every single time it comes up and I have to read that Wikipedia page, it just seems more it's horrifying than the last. So, yeah. Yeah. That says far into Enough. the details as I'm going to get, but I will also mention that a witness at trial recalled hearing Medina instruct his platoon to destroy everything in the village that was, quote, walking, crawling, or growing. Holy fucking shit. Yeah. That is some dark ass shit. And Mm -hmm. guess what? He was fucking acquitted of all charges. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's going to be a lot of acquittals. Oh, a lot of not even going to trial and angry drinking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We'll get to it. (laughs) We need we'll get to it merch. (laughs) Somebody somebody just tweeted that or Instagrammed it or something. Uh I think we need a we'll get to it t-shirt that I can wear during every fucking recording. A bra and panty set. It is absolutely. Maybe it was my friend Ashlyn who texted me. She was like, I need a we'll get to it t-shirt. It might. I mean, I'm ready. It may or may not already be in my winter merch presentation that yeah. I will be showing you guys on Thursday. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. Oh my God. I love being drunk uh, with you guys. I love you so much. <laughs> <laughs> it's already starting. We're going to start be crying. crying by the end. I'm going to start crying. Uh, we're going to have okay. to take a cry break. Remember when we did that on like episode <laughs> six or something? We got so hammered and then we had to stop. Well, yeah, to, like, because we kept tech. saying nice drunk things to each other and we all started crying. So we had to pause recording. <laughs> Don't go into business with your friends. It's dangerous. You'll You'll start saying really nice shit about each other while you're drunk. (laughs) You look like Cinderella. Oh, you look like Sharon Stone in Casino. Thank you. Oh, my God. You smell like sunshine. (laughs) And your tears taste like rainbows. Okay. (laughs) All right. So the term command responsibility is primarily applied to military contexts, but according to Wikipedia, the term may also be used more broadly to refer to the to the duty to supervise subordinates and mm-hmm. the liability for failure to do so both in government, military law and with regard to corporations and trusts. So mm-hmm. it 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 is a like literal Doctrine, but it also is just sort of a concept for like emboldening the Ku Klux Klan. Huh? Mm. Can't we just get Trump for this for like emboldening the Ku Ku Klux Klan? I'm drunk. Actually, actually, maybe. And once I go through some more of the details, uh, we can talk about that. So basically, it's it's codifying the phrase "with rank comes responsibility." Mm-hmm. This is a, it's a it. rule that is basically that. Um, here's a fun anecdote about command responsibility because I was describing oh, this great. describing this to Corey earlier today. When you put a cat in a wig, mm, no, almost you are responsible for that cat's actions. <laughs> Cat's action. Cat's action lawsuit. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so he was a. Okay, Corey is a. F- Food salesman. He sells Mm -hmm. food. Keep Mm -hmm. that in mind when I tell you this story. He's not Mm -hmm. curing cancer flying to the moon. 
God bless him. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. But he was at a, a sales meeting, and in this sales meeting, which, mind you, it was entirely men, uh-huh. uh, they showed a TED Talk from, like, an ex-Navy SEAL, mm-hmm. and he's just going on and on about basically command responsibility and how he was, like, high-ranking and, like, his the people under him were fucking around or did something wrong, and he was, like, all pissed off that— that they were doing, that they were, you know, making him look bad and like, whose fault is this? I need to find out whose fault it is. And then I realized it was my fault. And yeah, like, because just they, he didn't show them the way. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't the leader that he thought he was. Blech. So, mm-hmm. like, which is very applicable to food sales. Right. Yeah, it is. It was just I like see how that translates. Hyper mm. macho masculine ego. Yeah. Like, let's get all amped up, all juiced up to go sell, you know, taco shells. What yeah. Are talking about? Like, <laughs> like, I think the takeaway was supposed to be the more, respons- the more responsibility you take on as a leader, the more respect you get. I sure, think that okay. was the takeaway, but it's like, chill out, dude. <laughs> like, yeah. let's keep talking about crinkle cut french fries. You know what I mean? So. <laughs> You're going a little overboard. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I was a little shocked when Corey's like, yeah, I know exactly what command responsibility is because of that food sales meeting I went to last oh month. My like, oh, my God. Jesus. <laughs> Corey wrote your notes. It's all going to come back to crinkle cut fries. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All of your red references are food-related for some inexplicable reason. <laughs> Say, for example, your food <laughs> rep underneath you sells salmonella-contaminated con- <laughs> lettuce. Mm. <laughs> Kale Who's is salad dangerous. salad is that Quick at the pull. end of the day? Quick Who's pull. salad is that? Waffle fries or crinkle cut? Waffle. Uh, waffle. Mm-hmm. I say crinkle. You're wrong. I say standard okay. French fry is the way to go. Waffle fries, Thin. waffle fries, in my experience, are either overcooked or undercooked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's but really they're still good undercooked. Get you a man with a deep fryer, and you'll get a good waffle fry. Oh, honey, I got one. <laughs> it's roll nice. Who do you think fries. you're talking to? Would never honey. trust my husband with a deep fryer. I yeah, have the man can't years. remember his keys. I wouldn't trust him with a deep fryer either. <laughs> I have but a, I did get locked out today. I so. have a thin layer of filmy grease over every surface in my kitchen. Mm, we lucky. own a deep fryer. <laughs> that shit gets everywhere. Take it outside. Mm. Okay, lessons learned. This is all going to be about French fries now that I think about it. <laughs> okay. In order to prosecute a superior for a crime committed by a subordinate and for failing to prevent or punish said subordinate as opposed to carrying out a crime commanded by the superior. So... Like I said before, this is something different than an officer telling a soldier, go pillage this village. There's a lot of like looking the other way and like intimations of of things that aren't technically orders, but they're like. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it is. They are not. Wink, wink, nod, nod. They are not explicit commands. That's right. Like. That's why I'm curious about leaders, because my case is very much about this, that, like, embolden a population or a an entity of power, like a police force, mm-hmm. to do things even though that 
leader isn't going, oh, hey, you, precinct number four, I want you Mm -hmm. to carry out this crime. You know what I mean? I'll get to some examples in just a second. Um, But in order to prosecute this type of crime, it must be proven that the superior knew about the crime or did not and or did not make a reasonable, responsible effort to make sure that no crime was being committed. So in some ways, um, this might be proven if, let's say, it can be proven that the superior was notably absent during the commission of a crime. Or if another example being if they assigned like a markedly aggressive soldier to carry out an interrogation, likely knowing full well that it would turn into like a torture situation. What if they straight up lean into it? Like my guy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That too. Yeah. Um, Yeah. A superior subordinate effective control relationship must also be established. And by that, I mean the superior must have had a reasonable opportunity to oversee the subordinate and thereby potentially prevent the crime from taking place. And by effective control, saying effective control is important here because it can't be theoretical control. It has to be intentional and direct. So this is what, when you mentioned Donald Trump and the KKK. Sure. Donald Trump, or rather the president, let's let's not be that specific because he's a fucking clown. The mm. president of the United States couldn't be held responsible for something that like a commander in the U.S. Army did because sure. the president is not directly impacting in or directly that controlling entity. that entity or that person. Okay. So, well, not day to day. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I'm directly, directly controlling them. In a legal context, that could be an easy argument. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, it's possible for more than one superior to be indicted under this rule, so long as each of those superiors demonstrated effective control over the person committing the crime. So I sure. think if we're talking about the presidency of the United States, that is different than just, say, like a really high up official in the army. Yeah. Sure. Mm -hmm. Because like a police chief or the presidency is more of a theoretical power over the government rather than like we said, a day to day direct thing. Mm -hmm. Sure. Mm -hmm. Um, So this, this dynamic, this relationship is all is often the most difficult thing to establish when prosecuting these types of crimes, particularly in war zones Because Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you also have, like, for example, it could be argued potentially that, like, there was so much bombing going on this particular day in this time frame where this crime took place that it's not reasonable. That it's not reasonable to assume that the commanding officer had direct control over his his or her subordinates at that time. Okay. So yeah, there's a lot of ways to get out of it, and there's also a lot of like other people they can pass the buck to. So be like, well, I was out of touch, but the Mm -hmm. lieutenant in charge. There's so much chaos that they people can just hide behind that. Yep. Mm -hmm. So that that is that's what is most difficult to prove in these cases. Um. Okay. So a little anecdote. Like I said, I was I went to the YMCA this morning. And Speaking of command responsibility. Well, yes, because I was not quite finished with my notes yet. So got on the treadmill and I Googled command responsibility to find like a video of someone just talking about it so I could just absorb some knowledge while I was, you know, not 
really paying attention. And I found uh-huh. I found from the UN Web TV Lecture Series. Boring. <laughs> riveting. Riveting stuff. Uh, I kind of loved it. It was a man named Kevin Riordan. Um, he's talking about command responsibility. And this is the caption. He's from New Zealand, which made it like 10 times more soothing. I couldn't stop listening. His voice was just captivating. It was so boring like to listen to. to but <laughs> um, so this is the caption just to give you an idea of how my workout went today. <laughs> Quote. Great. An army is dominated by its officers. <laughs> <laughs> Small wonder, then, that commanders should bear particular responsibility for its offences committed by their subordinates. Since it first crystallized in the Yamashita trial, however, the concept of command responsibility has entailed some degree of controversy. Mm. When the idea of attributing responsibility was extended to superiors such as mayors and civilian officials, the efficacy of the doctrine grew, but so too did criticism of its scope. This lecture (laughs) will examine the philosophical basis for the doctrine and also looks at some of the more instructive cases relating to its application. (laughs) <laughs> of shrimp on the baby. <laughs> Say I know, that's Australia, but whatever. So he gets very, he gets really philosophical in this video. I learned more from like the Wikipedia page about what this was, but also from this video, it, it, this is where he got into like the nuances of it. Um, so, for example, he argued that command responsibility protects not only civilians from other war crimes or not not only civilians or others from war crimes, but also soldiers themselves by putting the onus of control on the commanders, not letting shit get crazy, in order for mm-hmm. the soldiers to be able to return home to civilian life without memories of, like, these potential atrocities. Sure. Which I sure, thought sure, was sure, an interesting sure, 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 take. Sure, sure. He also talks about the importance of language when it comes to the nuances of these written laws and how interpretations can differ across the globe because, like words mean different things as they're translated in different languages. Like some societies don't even have the same like social concepts that we do in Western countries. Am I making sure, sense? Vice versa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, some countries don't even say Barbie. <laughs> <laughs> like Australia. For one. <laughs> Australia does. You're thinking New Zealand. He's from New Zealand. Get uh, it right. I don't even think Australia actually does. But couldn't they you, say it. Couldn't you tell from my accent? Dingo ate my baby. Okay. Um, so let's close it out by talking a little bit about <laughs> war crimes, shall we? Oh, great. Let's do it. <laughs> um, so regardless of how chaotic and nonsensical war can seem, there are literal international laws regarding the conditions for war as well as the conduct of warring parties. The, oh, good. I'm glad there's rules. Mm-hmm, yeah, there are rules to this game. Pretty new rules. Very mm-hmm. fresh and unenforced rules. Well, yeah. we'll get to it. These laws are enforced in part by the International Criminal Court, or the ICC, ICCU, which is an international (laughs) tribunal located in The Hague in the Netherlands. All these thes, unnecessary thes. Why? The Gambia. The The Hague. Hague. Yeah. The Congo. Whatever. (laughs) 
the ICC the has the jurisdiction to the prosecute the individuals for the <laughs> for the international <laughs> crimes of genocide, crimes against humanity, war crimes, and crimes of aggression. And the concept of war crimes has been around for a very long time, but it was developed and defined, Kenyon, in the late 19th and early 20th centuries, notably with the Hague Conventions in 1899 and 1907. And here's- We a learned about those briefly in high school. Yeah. Mm. Briefly. American history and shot. And European history and shot. Fun fact, there is no single document in international law that codifies all war crimes, but they are listed between uh, in international humanitarian law and international criminal law treaties and also in international customary law, but they're like not all listed in one place, which I thought was weird. But that could also go back to like uh, translations and language. Issues. Um, so here are some examples of war crimes prohibited by the Rome Statute and enforced by the ICC. ICCU. Should we drink every time Lucy says the? Oh. <laughs> yeah. It might be too late. It might be too late. <laughs> oh, no. um, I'm doing it. There aren't that many in, the, well, there are a few. Yeah, you can try. Okay, here we go. Okay. I'm going to start this over just so you get a little boost. Here are some examples of war crimes prohibited by the Rome Statute and enforced by the ICC. Mm. I'm going to need more wine. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Okay. Willful killing. Excuse me. So just like killing because you want to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Torture, including biological experiments. Yikes. Good note. Extensive destruction and appropriation of property not justified by military necessity. So if they're just straight up looting. Mm, mm, uh, mm. Taking of hostages. Mm. Or should I say the taking of hostages. (laughs) Unlawful transfer or confinement. Mm -hmm. Attacking or bombarding by whatever means towns, villages, dwellings, or buildings in which are undefended and which are not military objects. Okay. Improper use of the flag of truce <laughs> or, oh, God. or enemy military insignia. So I took that to mean you can't fly your enemy's flag as a ruse to like lure them over to you so you can kill them. Yeah, you can't, that'd be such you a can't great fake people out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it still happens. You gotta be upfront. Mm -hmm. Directing attacks against civilians, meaning anyone who is not a military object, just like a regular person minding their own. Sure, sure. Well, it can be very hard to tell who is a combatant and like where that line is drawn because Mm. we don't fight traditional wars anymore. So this is one of the trickiest ones. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think war crimes in general are difficult to keep track of in times of war and also very difficult to enforce, but Lord knows they try. Um, Okay, also illegal uh, directing attacks. Oh, wait, I already said that. Employing poisons. Yikes. Mm. Uh, Committing rape. Mm -hmm. Intentional starvation of civilians, so like blocking aid, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, Enlisting children under the age of 15 to... Oh, God, 
burped red wine. To, okay. oh, to armed forces rough. or hostilities. Um, <laughs> also, oh, God. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Please cut that. That was I'm not gonna. That was offensive. So loud. That was willful. Proof, oh, my God. Yeah. The pudding. That was willful. <laughs> I and unprovoked. That. And I feel attacked. <laughs> I do. <laughs> Amanda just and empl- undefended. Amanda just <laughs> employed poisons. <laughs> I think she took us hostage. <laughs> but to be fair, extensive are even in the room with me. So it none was of this, none of this going to hold up in court. Experiment. None oh of this going to hold up in court. You can always hang up. I have one more sentence. In my entire <laughs> segment, so shut the, the fuck up. <laughs> uh, and also intentional attacks on hospitals or medical units. So those are just some examples of war crimes. Obviously, there are a trillion more, and that would, uh, I don't know. I was just looking to add some color to my segment because I'm also <laughs> it's dry I'm pretty as sure. Th- I'm pretty sure that the age of 15 thing was, like, something that the U.S. insisted upon because we have, like, ROTC programs and everything. Uh, And yet the U.S. not a signatory to the ICC. Really? That's odd. Also, okay, so in Israel, don't—isn't it, like, compulsory uh, military service? In lots of of places, yeah. So— you just have to be over 15 to do that? Um, yeah, you just have to be an adult. Of age, yeah. And then you can absolutely be conscripted. Because I thought they did the that in high school. I thought that was like their sophomore year of high school was like the no. military. No, no, no. It's after high school oh, before okay. college. Yeah, it's like 18-year-olds. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. I'm sending you a picture of a doodle I did during your segment that gives my take on commander responsibility crimes. I can't wait. We'll put it on the blog. It has sent. Oh, my God. Right. You're so dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> it says, thanks. I hate it. <laughs> okay, Amazing. Well, my segment's <laughs> over, so hopefully things get better for you. They won't. They Turns won't. out, drunk Amanda interrupted you a lot more than I did. Oh, I'm way more. I'm really surprised, actually. All right, let's, way, let's hear a word more. from our sponsor, for the love of God. Life can be stressful. We know it. You know it. We all know it. Between work, family, and everything in between, it's not always easy to find time for yourself. And that's where Talkspace Online Therapy makes taking care of your mental health more affordable and convenient than ever before. It's truly amazing. You simply provide your preferences for therapy and Talkspace will match with one of 5,000 plus therapists the very same day. You can send your therapist unlimited text, audio, picture, or video messages from anywhere at any time. It is honestly one of the best decisions I've ever made for my own mental health. I use it almost every single day and it's really great. I put in that I struggle with anxiety and a little bit of depression and was matched with somebody who is specialized in those areas but there are lots of different ways to get supported even group messaging forums in there where you can like be connected with other people who are going through similar issues that you might be facing. It's always nice to find that little bit of community. It really really helps. So again Talkspace has more than 5,000 licensed therapists who are experienced in addressing the challenges we all face. 
So to match with your perfect therapist for a fraction of the price of traditional therapy for real, go to Talkspace.com and make sure to use the code GALS to get $65 off your first month. And it really shows your support for the show. So once again, go to Talkspace.com and use that promo code GALS to get $65 off your first month and treat your brain. All right, you listen to our show so you know how much we love Away Luggage. They seriously knock it out of the park. Away creates thoughtful products that are designed to change how you see the world. And they really started with the perfect suitcase crafted with features that make travel more seamless. Now they offer a range of essentials that solve real travel problems. So all you have to think about is where you're headed next. Because getting away means getting more out of every trip to come. So among the three of us, we have more than one full set of away luggage. Um, I personally have the bigger carry-on and the medium, and these are incredible suitcases. I want to talk about the bigger carry-on because I love to not check a bag, so this is my go-to piece if I'm just popping out of town. It's sized up to make the most of the overhead bin. Um, It is lightweight. It has a durable shell that's made to last for a lifetime of travel, and I have put that thing through the ringer, let me tell you. Um, All of their luggage has a 100-day trial, so you can try away products on the road and see how they like vibe with you. And if you don't like it, you can return it. No questions asked. If you decide to keep it, you get a limited lifetime warranty, which means they'll fix or replace your bag if it ever gets damaged, which is amazing. And considering how much we put our luggage through on the road, it did not get damaged. So you may never even need to take advantage of that because this stuff is built so, so well. Um, One of my favorite features, the built-in compression pad that helps you pack more in a smaller space. And there's a range of unique personalization offerings, including hand painting. So I think Lucy's next bag is going to say dust on it, obviously. The four 360-degree spinner wheels guarantee a smooth ride. And if you have backs like us and our 30s are over, you need those spinner wheels. It has TSA-approved combination locks to keep your belongings safe. There's an optional ejectable battery to keep your phone charged. This was an absolute lifesaver for all three of us several times while we were traveling. And another one of my favorite things, the removable laundry bag. It just separates your dirty clothes from your clean clothes. And a lot of times on the road, we would be in hotels for a while, so we couldn't wash anything until we got to our next Airbnb. And it was really nice to keep that stuff separate. Um, so yeah, they also ship for free on any away order within the contiguous United States, Europe, and Australia. And if you want to go check things out for yourself, they have stores. You can shop everything away at their stores in New York, Austin, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Boston, Chicago, and London. Seriously, it's amazing. So thoughtfully designed, so durable. You will never, ever need another suitcase ever in your life. So for $20 off a suitcase, visit awaytravel.com forward slash gals20 and use the promo code gals20 during checkout. Again, that's for $20 off a suitcase by going to awaytravel.com forward slash gals20. That's G-A-L-S two zero. Use that promo code gals20 during checkout. Get that $20 off and treat yo travel. So uh, Jean-Pierre Bemba was born on November 4th, 1962 in Bokata, North Ubangi, which is one of the Democratic Republic of Congo's 26 provinces. There is a map on the drive. That's which it. be on the blog. <laughs> <laughs> this is located in the northwest corner of the country. 
Kenyon fucking loves her maps. <laughs> I really do. I get she that got from a gift my on the road from a wonderful listener who made us all necklaces, and hers is definitely a map that includes penis on it. <laughs> and I got a cross stitch of of the naughty names map of England. Yes, so you amazing. did amazing. Yeah, I love it. It's like my prized possession. I okay. love talented, crafty people. I never am good at things. I can't. <laughs> I tried to make a memory pot once, and oh, God, I'm so bad. Okay. So Bemba's father uh, was named Geno Bemba Saulona, and he was a businessman who had ties to Mobutu Sese Seku, the military leader who, with the support of the United States. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, CIA. Yeah. Helped uh, overthrow and execute the democratically elected prime minister of the DRC, Patrice Lumumba, in 1961, who was fucking tortured and killed in the dead of night. Not Um, proud to be an American where mm. war crimes are super chill. <laughs> also, I had a conversation God. with someone who was like, well, they were turning communists, so like it's a good thing we saved them and stopped them. Oh, and I was like, oh, yeah, because the DRC is doing great today. Take an ethics course and then you'll reevaluate the ends justify the means argument, okay? But also the ends suck. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. I think I'm going to name my next cat Bemba. I like it. Well, you're not going to like this guy or his dad, so maybe rethink. How about Lumumba? Because he was good. Damien. Oh, always a good option. Bemba. Sweet Bemba. Okay. So, (laughs) sweet Bemba, you're a monster. (laughs) Sweet Bemba, you're a monster. (laughs) Okay. So, Bemba's dad, businessman, ties to the military leader who overthrew the democratically elected leader and seized power for himself in 1965 (laughs) and renamed. DRC Zaire. Okay. Remember the whole Zaire DRC thing? Okay. Yeah, I totally remember with complete clarity. Every detail, 100% recall. Let's do this. (laughs) It was the 60s. So, yes, that's all we need to know. Bemba's father's business was really successful and he had this connection to the fucking dictator. So, it meant that Bemba grew up in a life of extreme privilege yeah. in one of the poorest places on earth. Mm-hmm. Um, and his family was widely known as one of the wealthiest in Zaire. Um, so they had like multiple residences, fucking shit ton of money. They had property in Belgium. So the Congo had been a colony of Belgium previously. So that's the link with Belgium. Okay. Got it. I actually knew that. Are you, yeah. Aren't you proud? And the king of Belgium was a real piece of shit. <clears throat> Killed yeah, a lot I don't of people. Think millions, I know anything? Millions of people dead. Okay. Mm. Not so, so sweet. enjoy that with your chocolate and your cute little houses. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the United States. So, right. <laughs> so <laughs> we're ones to talk. Glass houses. <laughs> Bemba had a very contentious relationship with his father throughout his childhood and also like young adult years. And his mother died when he was really young. So it was just 
the two of them, really. Um, but he still took advantage of his dad's connections and money, obviously. So when he was 30, after receiving an MBA from a business school in Brussels, he, be- he came back to Zaire and he began working as Mobutu's personal assistant. Oh, dear. And developed his own strong relationship with the corrupt dictator one-on-one. Also, Let there's a tell photo. tell you about my best friend. <laughs> and he now goes by Stephen Miller. Yeah. <laughs> there, there are photo, there's photos of Bemba on the drive, and there's a photo of Mobutu. Mobutu is the one in the, like, leopard print hat. He was, like, <sighs> known for that hat. I mean, I know he's terrible, but that hat is fire. It mm-hmm. looks like the hat that I got... At Table Mountain. I got a leopard hat at Table Mountain. It looks like a hat you make at sleepaway camp out of newspapers, but leopard print. Oh, yeah. yes. Yeah. It's a newspaper boat hat mm-hmm. made of leopard print. I the thing is, that, that hat, hat is not leopard print. It's, it's leopard. just leopard. <laughs> no, I know. I just, I hate it. It's but. actually the head of a leopard just perched precariously atop his head. It's a little leopard baby kitten that's curled up in a little circle sleeping on his head. It's dead and it's just the skin. Thanks, I hate it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So, the final split between father and son came in 1997 when Mobutu was overthrown by rebel forces led by a rival, Laurent Desiree Kabila. Uh Uh-oh. So... Dictator overthrown. Mobutu fled into exile in Morocco, where he died only a few months later from prostate cancer. Sayonara, Fucking bitch. Bay. Fucking bye. Lizzo on a golf cart backing away. <laughs> bye, bye, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so, not that Kabila was much better, but prioritizing... I love Lizzo so much. <laughs> prioritizing financial security over political and personal loyalty... Salona, so Bemba's dad, threw his support behind the new corrupt leader, Kabila. Oh, great. At least he's consistent with who he supports. He's like, yeah, you're in power? Great. I support power. Sign me up, (laughs) Buttercup. Fair weather friend. Uh, So then he gets, dad gets appointed minister of finance in this new government. But the son had become close to Mobutu and is upset Mm. by his ouster and by his dad's quick turnaround. So the son is trying to stay loyal. To the dictator, yes. To this piece of shit. So he sees his dad's, like, you know, trying to just roll with the times as a betrayal. Mm -hmm. And Bemba forms a rebel group within the year called the Movement for the Liberation of Congo, MLC. Mm. Kabila's new government. MLC punk. (laughs) MLC punk. They were punks. Uh, Kabila's new government had changed the name of the country from Zaire back to DRC. And he's already having to deal with a rebellion of other opposition forces in the eastern part of the country and like war with Rwanda and this craziness. And then Uganda gets involved. Oh, it's just a whole thing. Yada, yada, yada. It's a whole fucking thing. So Uganda, Uganda, Uganda. <laughs> Uganda be kidding me. So you got to be yeah. kidding me. 
So Uganda steps in and starts giving money to Bemba's rebel group. And with this support, Bemba is able to capture the whole northern region of the DRC within just a few months. Damn. That is some efficient-ass shit. Yeah, it's it's wild. And DRC is massive. It's the size of Western Europe. Holy shit. Yeah. It's a huge country. Um. So from his base in the north, the MLC began plotting a march into the capital city of Kinshasa to seize power of the whole country. So they're ta- they're like, it's like coup time. It's coup o'clock. Yeah. It's coup o'clock somewhere. <laughs> coup, coup o'clock. <laughs> oh. So also side note, Zach and I almost moved to Kinshasa instead of Johannesburg, and that would have been a mistake. Good Lord. Yep. Okay, so despite the fact that Bemba was now almost 40 years old and the leader of a successful and super violent rebel army, his actions <laughs> were often referred to as those of a rebellious teenager. Oh, God, I bet that went over well. So a 1999 New York Times article on the conflict in the Congo focused on the father-son dynamic of the dispute that seemed to have spurred the creation of Bemba's rebel group. So they basically were just like, yes, palace intrigue. Like, let's Jesus. talk about it. So the article describes a television appearance by the dad in which he said, this is a message from Papa. No. He should really think hard about what he is doing. All I'm asking for is that nothing happens to him and that he can resume his old life. Let him come home and follow what his Papa and President Kabila are busy doing. Okay, that uh. sounds like a dad who's like making an attempt to get his teenager to like stop stealing cars. Mm-hmm. Not to get him to stop, like, slaughtering villages yeah. and people. That is a stop. direct quote from a Dr. Phil episode. Yeah. Leading a civil war rebel army. Yeah. Pop, listen to Papa. Listen to Papa. <laughs> Every time I see the word Papa, I just think oh, about that, Chris, that Christmas movie from, like, the 50s. Eat, Papa. Eat. Yeah. <laughs> what or movie Santa. is that? That Mrs. Claus is telling Santa to, like, eat his porridge or whatever. What the Rudolph the Red-Nosed She just goes, eat, eat Papa. Papa. It's, like, from one of those old, like, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, reindeer like, stop oh, motion. Oh, like a claymation. Yeah. It's like claymation <laughs> and also like little toys. Yeah. It's eat yeah. Papa. It's a, and there's like a I dentist know it elf. Wasn't it from the Obama a digital snowman? Probably yep. from the a digital snowman. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so from the dad, analog snowman. snowman. <laughs> <laughs> so Eat Papa Eat goes on TV and says this. And the the son who's 40. Uh. Then calls into the TV station from a satellite phone to respond. (laughs) Shut up, Dad. You're embarrassing me. (laughs) He goes, I'm not a kid anymore. I can fly on my own wings. No. Is that? That's a quote? That's a quote. Oh, I hate it. Thanks. I hate it. (laughs) He went on to criticize his father's involvement with Kabila, stating, quote, he has chosen to serve the devil and I have chosen to serve the people. Besides, I was disowned in October, so I don't know what son he's talking about. He (sighs) had me when he was 20 years old and he disowned me a year ago. Am I hurt? 
what I am doing here is bigger than all of that. Oh no! So Self-righteous it, little prick. But everybody really, in this case sucks. So but like, <laughs> no, Bemba, no, no, Bemba. But like, bad Bemba. How fucking juicy! Can you imagine watching that live? Can you oh. imagine if like Eric Trump was leading a rebel no. army against Donald, <laughs> and like this all played no, out it on would be, Fox News and Twitter? It would be no. Tiffany oh. Trump leading the rebellion, because <laughs> he like did disown her. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Mm. Okay. So the sometimes childish nature of his statements belied the very. Um, real atrocities that the MLC was beginning to take part in or lead, most most notably kidnapping children from the northern region under their control and training them as child soldiers. No. (sighs) Yeah. Meanwhile, in the capital, many of Kabila's original supporters had abandoned him, and he was facing accusations of being just as corrupt as Mobutu. So shit's going down for Kabila 1. On January 16th, 2001, he is shot and killed in his office. Okay. Ten days later, his son, Joseph Kabila, became president. Mm -hmm. And there's some controversy about whether or not Joseph Kabila is actually uh, Laurent Desiree Kabila's son. And also, he was, like, out of the country, and then, like, as soon as his father was killed, he was, like, back in the country. Hashtag, I'm president now. Hmm. It's (laughs) a whole thing. (laughs) Hashtag, I'm drunk now. Hashtag, (laughs) suspicious. Yeah. So, anyway, there's a lot of rumors. He probably is his son, but there's all kinds of, like, rumors that, like, he's not even really his son. He's just a guy that usurped power. Like using the Kabila name. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Who knows? No way to know. There's but, no way to know. <laughs> yeah. We'll so, get to it, but we won't. Let's so just during go the, with that theory because it's juicier. Yeah, it's exactly. juicier. Exactly. So during the first year of Joseph Kabila's presidency, Kabila 2, the Kabila rebel two. group. Kabila 2, the streets. CB2. <laughs> <laughs> Kabila uh, to the street. Step up to. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Don't say you haven't watched it. I've watched it literally 25 times. It's okay. so good. I would never dancing say in that the I rain. haven't watched it. Uh, okay. So Bemba's military rebel group temporarily turns its attention away from DRC because, like, his fight was with the dad, not with the son. Yep. And Bemba uh, accepts an invitation from the president of the Central African Republic to send no troops Bemba. to his country <laughs> to suppress a coup attempt there. So he's like, bye, DRC. Now I'm in car working on shit over there with my rebel Bad group. bitch. <laughs> the brutality with which Bemba's troops quickly put an end to the uprising in car further proved to Joseph Kabila, Kabila too that Bemba's rebels presented a significant threat to the stability of his own government. He was like, shit, these people can really fucking fight, and this is scary. Yeah. So that situation led him to pursue a peace deal and agree to a power-sharing government in which rebel leaders, not just Bemba but a few others, would all be offered high-ranking positions in his government. 
Weird. Oh, you got to be kidding me. Like, that's not going to fucking fully backfire. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is Corruption. why you don't negotiate with terrorists. Mm. In 2003, having pulled his fighters out of car, Bemba agrees to the peace deal and begins serving as one of four vice presidents. Okay. <laughs> That's excessive. With Kabila II as president in a two-year transitional government that would remain in place until there were elections. But, like, <laughs> when are there elections? Right. To be determined. Right. So he was still as vice co-vice president, assistant to the co-vice president. Oh, Kenyon made an office joke. She did good. Assistant to the assistant vice president. (laughs) (laughs) So, So he still was controlling his fucking rebel army, but he just changed his rebel army into a political party, a quote political party. (laughs) (laughs) Who could have seen that coming? And as co-vice president, Bemba became increasingly influential in the capital city of Kinshasa and gained enough supporters to believe that his chances were pretty good for a presidential run of his own. No. Yeah. Got a lot of packs. Got a lot of packs involved. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Although there were more than 30 candidates running, uh, it was widely agreed that the race really came down to a decision between Bemba and Kabila II. Mm -hmm. The first Mm -hmm. round of voting did not reveal a clear majority for either candidate, and a second runoff election was scheduled, which is really not what you want. Nope. The tense period between the initial voting and the runoff erupted into violence throughout Kinshasa with multiple heavily armed clashes taking place between Bemba's supporters and Kabila's. So it was like a literal just like... War in the streets. Yep. I'm picturing Kabila to look like Ryan Cabrera. Am I that far off? I think you might be. (laughs) There are... Describe his hair. (laughs) (laughs) Well... Okay, interestingly enough, when there are two photos on the drive of Joseph Kabila, Kabila 2. Ryan Kabila. The fr- in one of them, he's bald and young with like a prominent mustache. Ooh, I love a mustache. And that's, that's what he looked like when he first took power. And then there's oh another one where he got fucking Obama'd, basically, yeah. where it's and he's him. just... Today, after having been in power, is it the one with the big gray beard? Yes. (laughs) Oh no! It looks like a haggard mall Santa. (laughs) (laughs) I've seen too much shit. (laughs) He totally Obamaed. Oh no! He grew his hair, his head hair back. Time. I like the porn stash on young Ryan Cabrera, though. How did his head hair grow back? Maybe he was shaving it. He might like you could see a hairline even on his bald photo. I guess. But if you have he hair was likely like just that, shaving it. why were you shaving it? It's a look. It's a look. It's a style. He was president for eighteen years, also, so he got Jesus, a little tired. I love the term limits of other countries. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. His young photo, he looks just like Montel Williams. Oh, he yeah. has a talk show. Mm-hmm. He kind of, yeah, I can see it. So I, I got to do a side-by-side. Side. Anyway. Find out who the father is. <laughs> okay, so, so 
Oh, it's wait, that's more Probably Povich. not Laurel and Desiree Kabila. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so during the, the fight outs in the streets before the runoff election, 23 people were killed and 43 injured, but those are like low estimates. Oof. Sporadic episodes of violence continued as the October 2006 date for the runoff approached, but both Kabila and Bemba publicly indicated that they would respect the results as long as they won. LOL. Sure, yeah. <laughs> okay. On November 10th, partial results were revealed that showed Kabila in the lead and violence once again erupted. Bemba's supporters took to the streets, and on November 11th, the next day, they engaged in a shootout with DRC police who attempted to break up the protest, resulting in the deaths of at least four people. Good lord. On November 14th, Bemba publicly rejected the results of the runoff, which he had said three days prior that he would respect. Mm-hmm. which showed Kabila in the lead, claiming that the election was rigged and did not show the true will of the people, claiming that three million people voted illegally in California. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just yeah. get ready, because this is all just a preview of what's going to happen in November 2020. 2020. It's oh, already no. happening. Uh, I mean, November 2019, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. The Supreme Court agreed to review Bemba's election fraud complaint, uh, but during the review session, <laughs> the court building came under attack by a group of, of his supporters and was set on fire. Great. <laughs> Fucking great. Oh, no. The Supreme Court had to relocate to a secure location for their safety. Holy shit. Montel Williams never would have let this happen under his watch. (laughs) Mm -mm. (laughs) Meanwhile, Bemba had amassed a security detail at his residence that was estimated to include between 600 and 1,000 soldiers. For his home? For his personal security detail. Jesus, get over yourself. (laughs) But also, get me in touch with your security detail. (laughs) Yeah. Amanda just shouts her home address on air, and now you're concerned about (laughs) security. I mean... I never shouted the entire address. If anyone was paying any attention, they could have very easily geolocated your home by then. Oh, thousand yeah. percent. It's not hard. Okay, so on November 26th, the Supreme Court, operating from God knows where, a secret bunker somewhere to stay safe, <laughs> uh, an abandoned Burger King. Okay. <laughs> on Lindale Avenue. declared that Bemba's accusations of election fraud were unfounded and that Kabila was the undisputed winner. Mm. Kabila urged unity and indicated that he wished Bemba to play a role in his government. Hey, dude, calm down. You could be co-vice president again. Oh, no. After fighting a war, (laughs) two wars. Chill out, dude. Here's a consolation prize. Don't worry, you can still be rich as fuck and really corrupt. So Bemba continued to dispute the results and refused to attend Kabila's swearing-in ceremony. He did maintain, though, that he would only oppose Kabila through official channels. The swearing-in ceremony, by the way, was the biggest in recorded history. The most attended. (laughs) Yeah, the flood of red. Mm -hmm. 
Um, in 2007, Bemba was elected to the Senate representing his army slash party, which was now the main opposition party. Soon after his election, however, there was an attempt on his life, and then that led to renewed fighting in the capital. So he Ugh. thought that it was probably Kabila trying to take him out once and for all. A group of Bemba's private bodyguards, along with civilian supporters, engaged in a violent conflict with the army. There were multiple deaths on both sides. Bemba flees. He seeks refuge in the South Bye, African... Bemba. <laughs> Bye, Bye, Bemba. Bemba. Bye, Bemba. <laughs> bada, bada, la Bemba. <laughs> <laughs> so he goes to the South African embassy. Um... <laughs> And he Julian Assange's it for a while. <laughs> oh, great. Every so, Bemba's a beach Bemba. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> the violence continues, and then there's a warrant for his arrest issued, accusing him of high treason. And WikiLeaks. <laughs> and then <laughs> Bemba's like, well, and- I should have Im- immunity because I'm a senator. No. But then the head prosecutor was like, well, we're getting rid, we're removing your immunity. And also, if that's what you thought, why did you flee the country? And it also, you have 42 unpaid parking tickets, so we're at yeah, least we're taking you in for that. your car. <laughs> Scafla is what's going to get you. Scafla. <laughs> <laughs> so Bemba leaves the embassy, <clears throat> ostensibly to travel to Portugal for leg surgery, Mm -hmm. A likely story. So he's like, I'm not going into exile. I just need surgery. Oldest excuse in the book. Mm. Shyamalan twist. He doesn't even have legs. (laughs) (laughs) How do you like them apples? Leg surgery. (laughs) (laughs) To remove my leg cancer. (laughs) But once out of the country with his wife and children, he said that he feared for his safety and was unsure if he would return. And I think it was like basically trying to get asylum. Mm-hmm. He meets with the European Commissioner for Development and Humanitarian Aid, blah, blah, blah. Then he has a meeting with the National Assembly in Portugal to discuss returning to DRC and instead moves to Belgium. He's like, I'm totally, I'm he coming back. He loves the waffles. Yeah. Waffle fries. So now, he's a waffle fry waffle. guy. He's a waffle fry guy. All right. The exile in Belgium is short-lived because he is arrested in Brussels in May of 2008 and handed over. For unpaid parking tickets. Yes. <laughs> to the fucking DMV and also the International Criminal Court. They put I'm a more boot afraid of car. the DMV than the International <laughs> Criminal Court. That's actually Any fair. Day. The, yeah, DMV the DMV is, is way more terrifying. effective. Oh, yeah. You don't fuck with the DMV. No. International Criminal Court. What a joke. It, it is, though. It's actually the a, a joke. The DMV. That's some real shit. <laughs> so the ICC had been investigating Bemba uh like on separate charges unrelated to this high treason because the high treason stuff was bullshit. Um, Having to do with Bemba's involvement in the Central African Republic and the whole war that he fought there. The ICC ruled that there were reasonable grounds to believe that Bemba bore individual responsibility for war crimes and crimes against humanity that had been committed by MLC fighters during the conflict. 
and he was charged with war crimes, including murder, rape, and pillaging, Mm -hmm. and two crimes against humanity, murder, and rape. He was the only person arrested as a result of the ICC's investigation into the entire Central Central African Republic conflict. Oh, okay. Uh, (laughs) One person. He's a horrible monster, and I'm not saying like I feel for him, but fuck that. I don't. He's not the no right only person responsible for carrying out all of this these injustices. Like Mm -hmm. he had help, and it's not Mm -hmm. like it should be that hard for the ICC to do an investigation and find anyone Mm -hmm. else who could be Mm -hmm. liable for all of the shit that went down. Right. A big part of it was that he was in Belgium so they could get him. Sure. Like, they ex- could, like extradition wise? <clears throat> yeah, I'm pretty sure DRC does not have extra well, definitely does not have extradition with Belgium cuz well, like fuck Belgium. When it comes to international laws like that, don't that d- is that not a thing? Depends on which countries are signatories to the hmm. ICC. Huh. And yeah, depends on a lot of things. But anyway, they could physically arrest him, so they did. Back in Kinshasa, more than 2,000 of his supporters protest in the streets, demanding his release. The ICC ignores it. Um, they also, like, his fighters accused Kabila of being responsible for bringing the ICC charges against him. I don't know that that's within Kabila's power. Um, Were people protesting his confinement because of the reason he was arrested or because he was the only one who was arrested? They were just his supporters and they just wanted him released. Yeah, they were supporting him. They didn't, yeah. Okay. Support his arrest in general. In Belgium? Or was this back? No. Back in Congo. Gotcha. Back in DRC. So Bemba is transferred to The Hague on July 3rd, 2008, and preliminary hearings are scheduled. By July 2009, so a full year later, this is how slowly the ICC operates. He's granted temporary release to attend his father's funeral in Brussels. Uh, But then he's declared a flight risk in order to remain in custody again. The trial begins in November 2010. Jesus. So he was arrested in July 2008. Trial begins November 2010. Mm-hmm. The trial lasts four years. Good God. And then there was another two-year delay until a verdict was announced. Uh. What the fuck are they doing in there? It's They're just bureaucracy, man. That is alarming. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's real slow in the U.S., but at least we have something in our Constitution about a speedy trial. So, like, there's a little bit of enforcement. That's bizarrely mm-hmm. long, I feel. They don't for just have the a funding, verdict. A lot of the people working for the ICC, like, don't even work for the ICC full time. It's, like one of their many ta- it's it's just it's a fucking cluster so who's passing down a verdict who's deciding who's the jury who's the judge there's there's a judge there might be a panel of judges huh there's not a jury of peers it's not Two like that years is bizarre okay 
That's a long fucking yeah. time. Well, six years since the trial began, and he was in custody for a year and a half before that. I guess the trial itself isn't as alarming to me as as deciding on a fucking verdict. Sure. So although multiple witnesses described many of his fighters as looking like children, because they fucking were. Yeah. Bemba was actually not on trial for the use of child soldiers. Instead, testimony focused on torture and rape of civilians by his soldiers under his command. And the rape, I'm not going to get into it. The rapes were horrific children, entire families. Mm -hmm. Um, The reason I mention this is because it matters legally later on, but like rapes of men and women and Mm -hmm. obviously children of both genders. Dang. Um, In 2016, Bemba was convicted of two counts of crimes against humanity and three counts of war crimes and sentenced to 18 years in prison. No. Uh, One eight. One eight. Not eight zero. You've also basically served half of that by then. Mm -hmm. God damn it. Okay. There's no justice. (sighs) The reason this case is really important is because it was a first for a lot of things in international law. So the verdict was the first time that the ICC had convicted or even prosecuted someone for using rape as a weapon of war. Sure. Because wasn't the Um, ICC not even established until like 2002 or 2007? It's like a new thing. Yeah, it is very new. This is one of the biggest and earliest cases of its kind of the ICC. Like, the the ICC did not exist. Like, all the trials you hear about for war crimes and crimes against humanity from post-World War II, those were, like, individual ad hoc tribunals, like Nuremberg Mm. and and whatever. Yeah. Um, And hence that Medina detail in my segment that was like okay it's it doesn't have to be an international court you can be extradited to whatever country you know has the jurisdiction to prosecute you yeah so the rome statute when was the rome statute i think that was 2002 so then that's when the icc was started was the rome statute okay okay oh my god i'm so smart i could have just written your thesis at this point yeah, oh my God, I'm so drunk. I just like <laughs> could have also written a thesis about step up to the streets at this point. <laughs> okay, this is also the first case uh, in international criminal law to classify rape of men as sexual violence. Mm-hmm. Mm. So before that, rape important of, move. Yeah, before that, rape of men was us- usually was classified as torture. But rape of women was classified as sexual violence and not necessarily a war crime. Good oh, Lord. my God. Also, Rome Statute, 1998. You were go. so close. I was close. You were so close, babe. I could basically almost write a thesis on it. There you go. Um, And additionally, this was the first ICC conviction based entirely on command responsibility. Mm. Oh, now it all circles back. Oh, my God. I thought we were talking about French fries this whole time. Mm -hmm. Based on waffle fry. Yeah. (laughs) So Bemba's lawyers appealed his conviction 
alleging that there was a mistrial based on numerous procedural and legal areas. So like little tiny minutia. Mm-hmm. In June of 2018, his conviction was overturned by a panel of five judges with a three to two vote. No. That I mean, success. if you're establishing a statute with this trial because it's like the first of its kind, mm-hmm. then yeah, it probably would be easy to sort of like get out of it, right? Well, he got out of it for a few different reasons, but basically... The ICC. It's just... It sounds like more like administrative bullshit that they called out. Yeah, it's just not effective. Like, yeah. It just sounds like a really complicated and difficult thing to prosecute and convict. So if this was the first of its kind, then... Yeah, if I were Sweet Bemba's lawyers, I'd have been like, no, there are all of these administrative holes in the... Exactly. Don't call him Sweet Bemba, Monster Bemba, Monster Energy Bemba. <laughs> Four Loco Bemba. Four Not Loco Sweet Bemba. Bemba. <laughs> so Bemba was successful in overturning his conviction, and this hinged on the fact that he was remotely commanding his troops. So he was in the DRC, and they were in the Central African Republic in a foreign mm. country. And thus, his lawyers argued could he could not be held responsible for failing to prevent the crimes they committed because he wasn't physically present with them. Okay. Okay. Uh, but also, like, it's fucking bullshit because the DRC and Central African Republic are, well, it's like vast territories and, like, everything is done pretty remotely. Yeah. Because you can't so just, like, easily zip defense? over yeah. somewhere. Western sure. Europe. Yeah. yeah. So that if that's going to work, then that's going to get everyone off, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, it also seemed to work in Bemba's favor that his involvement in Carr was sort of like a side mission for his rebel army because it wasn't their main priority. They were basically hired as, like, mercenaries to mm-hmm. prevent this coup. Um, so the judge, Christine Vanden Weingert, um, was one of the judges who voted to overturn the conviction. She said that Bemba could not legally be held responsible for the actions of MLC soldiers and that the courts had, quote, ignored significant testimonial evidence that Bemba's ability to investigate and punish crimes in the Central African Republic was limited. And, like, obviously it's limited because it's far away and, like, to get around Northern Congo, you basically need an airplane. Like, it's forest. It's yeah. thick forest. There's basically no roads. There's basically no communication. Like, mm-hmm. it is hard, but, like, they were his soldiers. Mm-hmm. And he fucking <sighs> knew what was going on. Yeah, or didn't care. Yeah. Well, he didn't do his due diligence to oversee his direct subordinates, and that's the issue. Sure. Right. So on August 1st, 2018, 11 years after he went into exile in Europe, Bemba is free, and he returns to the DRC. No. Immediately upon returning, he announced his candidacy for president. Give no. it up. Give it up. He was widely declared the strongest opposition candidate. But following a review by the 
quote-unquote independent National Electoral Commission still run by <laughs> Kabila. Kabila's still in charge this whole time. Oh, my God. It's been like 40 years. <laughs> Fucking, what the fuck? He was <laughs> prohibited Kabila, from Kabila running. is in charge now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he, Bemba throws his weight behind a different opposition candidate who loses, and Kabila actually, in this past year, stepped down. Which is like no. fucking shocking that he did that. He was elections were supposed to happen like three or four years ago, and he kept delaying them. And everyone was like, "He's never stepping down. He's never going to leave her. He's never going <laughs> to never going to leave her. She's never going to leave him." Um, but he did. He stepped down, and um, an opposition candidate won named uh, Felix uh, oh, Chisichetti. The cat. Nailed it. <laughs> um, so, election fraud, blah, blah, blah. I don't even know. So now there are questions about the future of the ICC because this was such a fucking shit show. And many people viewed Bemba's conviction as like this long-awaited turning point in international law that it that it could actually be a tool for providing justice to victims of of sexual violence in war because mm-hmm. uh, it hadn't really been used that way properly in the past mm-hmm. but then he was acquitted and everyone was like well fuck yeah no those dreams are dashed yeah i'm not opposed to having some sort of international court to enforce these laws but for god's sake it has to be functional. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the problem. Like yeah. How do we make it such? Right. Well, the U.S. is not helping by not being a part of it. Yeah. Um, oh, why? So I wonder. Do we have poor leadership? I, I, I can't remember. I don't think about this on no. a minute-by-minute minute basis. It's because uh, U.S. leadership doesn't want U.S. vitamins to be tried by any court other than a U.S. military court. Mm-hmm. So they just refuse to be a part of it. Cool. Great. Yeah. Totally understandable and logical and reasonable. Great. So there's currently another active ICC investigation into violence in Carr, unrelated to his rebel army, but just like other groups. And this might be a second shot at justice, but... Probably not, and we'll know in 18 years. Yeah, we'll be dead by the time we know. Keep us updated. Well, Amanda will be dead. I'll be dead by the end of this case. (laughs) (laughs) As as for Jean-Pierre Bemba, he was reconvicted by the ICC. (laughs) Oh, there's no double jeopardy in the ICC. (laughs) Not for war crimes, not for child soldiers, not for rape as a weapon of war. Barking tickets. Basically. For witness tampering during his trial. <laughs> oh, no. Well, yeah, obviously, he's above the law. Mm-hmm. So he was sentenced to time served. <laughs> and you gotta ord- be kidding me. And ordered to pay a 300,000 euro fine, which, like, this guy is one of the richest men ever. Yeah. <laughs> he owns a 300,000 euro, like, pair of boxers. Boots. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, these are. My, this is my leopard print hat. It looks just yeah. like Mobutu's. <laughs> oh my god! I have to find my leopard hat. I love it so much. 
So, okay, despite not holding current political office, he remains an influential figure in the DRC. And just Shocking. this month, just this month, the new president, he's been president for seven months, announced that the country will now be ruled by a coalition government in which his party will share power with Kabila's party. No. <laughs> so everyone is like, well, okay, there were elections and Kabila stepped down, but actually this new guy is just a puppet and Kabila retains the real power. Oh, my God. Oh and they're not even bothering God. to hide it anymore. No. <laughs> and Bemba will probably be co-vice president again. The end. Again. Cool, 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 cool. Thanks. Everything's great. The world isn't burning oh around us. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. So that's my oh. case and also two years of my life in graduate school. Good job. Well, <laughs> great. <laughs> well, yeah. should we hear from our sponsors? Because it's going to get real depressing in my corner of the world real soon. Super. Yes. It Brought to you by the ICC. Care Of is a subscription service that delivers vitamins and supplements customized for your specific health needs to your door. You take a short quiz. We love a good quiz. And this quiz is short, but it is thorough. It really gets to the root of what your needs are. You'll answer questions about your diet, your lifestyle, your fitness and health goals. And then Care Of puts together a personalized plan just for you. It is amazing. I am not a vitamin buff. I really didn't know what my needs were. I had maybe taken some like sad gummy vitamins sporadically throughout my life. And taking the quick quiz through Care Of really helped me align what my needs were, what my goals were in terms of my health, and started to get me back into a healthy routine. So you can give yourself support this season with a boost, whether you're looking for energy, better sleep, to maintain stress, or something else to help you feel your healthiest, or all of those things, hi, raising my hand. Uh, again, can't stop talking about this online quiz. It's super fun. It's It asks you about your diet, your health goals, your lifestyle choices. It takes about five minutes to find your personal, scientifically-backed vitamin and supplement recommendations. And taking care of your health should just be easy and convenient. I know that it can be really hard to know what vitamins or supplements you should be taking. It's really a lot to navigate. But Care Of makes it easy to find out what you specifically need to be your healthiest. And again, with that quiz, you can target your areas of focus. And they also make a difference. Care Of makes sure what you're putting into your body comes from the best sources backed by honest guidance and transparency all available to you on their website. They explain everything that they recommend. It's hugely informative and really, really, really helpful. We love it. So for 25% off your first Care Of order, go to TakeCareOf.com and enter that promo code GALS at checkout. Again, that's for 25% off your first Care Of order by going to TakeCareOf.com and using that promo code GALS. Treat your whole life. All right, folks, we know we don't all have the same hair, so why should we all use the same shampoo and conditioner? We shouldn't. Function of Beauty brings you shampoos and conditioners that are customized and individually filled just for you. It is seriously amazing. So... 
Functional Beauty addresses a bunch of your hair needs and not just one. So if you're wandering in the drugstore, those drugstore brands typically only address a single concern like volumize or strengthen. But you can choose up to five hair goals to add to your formulation with Function of Beauty, which I personally love because my hair is thin, it's dry, it's also consistently colored. As you know, I've got blue hair. So I need something that's going to give me that volume, it's going to give me that strengthening, it's going to help with growth, it's going to help preserve the color. I have a bunch of different needs within my formula, and it all came to me in one absolutely beautifully put together package. Um, yeah, the customization, it's unrivaled. They have over 54 trillion combinations possible. This is not a joke. This is an actual number that exists in science and math. Function of Beauty individually formulates every bottle based on your hair type, hair goals, and preferences. And then you can customize it even further. You can select the color that you like. So my hair uh, is blue, so that's my favorite color. I got blue shampoo. It doesn't deposit more color into my hair, but I like having my shampoo be blue. And you can also choose your own fragrance, or you can go for dye-free and fragrance-free. I went with peach. It's super subtle, and I really, really love it. And then the products are so personalized that your name is even printed on the bottle. So you could, in your whole function of beauty world, have a couple of different formulas that you might want to try out and you can name them different things. So I have one that's Formula of Munders, which is one of my nicknames. And I know that that one is for strengthening and for uh, protecting my hair color. And it's super easy for me to find when I log in and I know that I need to get more of it. Also, we love that they use safe and natural ingredients and they're vegan and cruelty-free. And the sad reality is that most drugstore brands test on animals and we love animals. So Function of Beauty is 100% vegan and cruelty-free. You can feel good about using this product. And if you don't believe us, go check out their over 20,000 five-star customer reviews and counting. So our listeners can receive 20% off their first order. Just got to go to functionofbeauty.com forward slash gals and take their hair profile quiz. You will not regret it. It really helps you learn about your hair needs. I loved it. Once again, go to functionofbeauty.com forward slash gals to get 20% off your custom formula. Treat yo hair. Warby Parker was founded with a rebellious spirit and a lofty goal to create boutique quality eyewear at a revolutionary price point. I am a fan of Warby Parker for life. And the Warby Parker aesthetic is really calling my name because it's vintage inspired with a contemporary twist. Every pair of glasses is custom fit with an anti-reflective polycarbonate prescription lenses. These are the real deal. And they are styles available exclusively through Warby Parker's website and retail stores with glasses starting at $95, including prescription lenses. That is amazing. I have been a glasses wearer since I was 12, and I cannot tell you the amount of money I have spent on glasses, even with optical insurance. I've saved a ton of money getting newer frames and fancier frames and getting to like switch it up with my frames by ordering through Warby Parker. Also high subscription sunglasses. I have like three pairs of glorious vintage inspired cat eye subscription sunglasses from Warby Parker and I am obsessed with them. And if you need any help, you can take the quiz. You answer a few quick questions and they'll suggest some great looking glasses that are totally personalized to fit your face and style. So you can narrow it down because they do have a huge inventory and it can get overwhelming. So that quiz is super, super helpful. Just kind of narrow down what you're looking for and then their expert stylists help make recommendations. Hello, it's amazing. And if that doesn't do it for you, they're free 
Home Try-On Program. OMG, y'all. You order five pairs of glasses and try them on for five days. There's no obligation to buy. It ships for free and includes a prepaid return shipping label. So to get that at-home try-on, you just got to go to warbyparker.com forward slash gals to order it. Order your free home try-on now. Take the quiz, we love a good quiz, to find a pair that works perfectly for you today. Again, glasses start at just $95, including the prescription lenses. So what do you have to lose? It's amazing. And if you have an iPhone 10, you can download Warby Parker's app because this is the future and they have everything where you can use their brand new virtual try-on allowing you to try on the glasses, seeing the realistic color, texture, and size of each style using just your phone. It's incredible. So before you dive in, just head on over to warbyparker.com forward slash gals and order your free home try on today. Treat your face and your eyes. Okay. Are we ready? So obviously this, this case and even, and Kenyon's case could be its own fucking podcast. Like there's so much that we can't include. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm going to do the best I can to talk about this fucking piece of work. Rodrigo Duterte, Duterte oh, who is no. the current president of the Philippines. Do not go there, Tay. Uh, yeah. Um, and I also was just like so over it with the same fucking war crimes coming up over and over again when I started my research. So this is where I landed. So this fucking old bag so of bones. I was so fed up that I went with I was the fed up most with war crimes. violent modern <laughs> political yep. leader I could find. Donald uh, Trump's yeah. best friend. Uh, literally, we'll get to it. Jesus. Um, so he started his career as a lawyer in Davao City before diving into politics, and he held the position of mayor of Davao City um, in 18, 1986. I'm drunk. <laughs> and held that post for just over 22 years, which is fucking bonkers. My God. Um, his own father had been mayor of DeVeo City as well, and his mother was a community activist against the president at the time, Ferdinand Marcos, who is definitely described as having been authoritarian and also like a total piece of shit. Um, according to Duterte, during his time as mayor, he transformed DeVeo City from one of the most dangerous cities in Southeast Asia into one of the safest cities in Southeast Asia, but his methods were fucked. Don't worry, so no one else is murdering anyone because I'm murdering everyone. Quite fucking literally. So he took Jesus. a ruthless approach to crime, especially drug crime, including dealing in use, not just like violent drug crime. Not that this should apply to any of these things, but... He took broken windows policy to yeah. another dimension. Broken ribs policy. Ugh. Um. So he quickly earned the nicknames The Punisher and Duterte Harry, like a play on Dirty Harry. Oh. <laughs> In the press. Harry. I feel Duterte um, right now. the younger yeah. set, he's known as Big Pun. Yeah, probably. Um, what? And so he, he got these nicknames in the press as it came to light that Duterte was responsible for commanding more than 1,000 extrajudicial extra killings while mayor, specifically targeting drug users and dealers. 
As this became more widely known and he was called out by prominent human rights activist groups like Amnesty International, he didn't even try to deny it. In fact, he embraced the allegations and openly supported the work of what had been dubbed the, quote, death squads that were carrying out this swift, quote, justice that wasn't fucking justice at all. But as we've learned in the wake of what I would like to call the great Trump disaster of 2016, fear and the promise of safety and prosperity can be super fucking motivating. And this was the platform that the Punisher ran on for fucking president of the Philippines. God, sounds familiar. To quote, yeah. To quote Britannica.com, quote, he cultivated the image of a coarse pistol-toting vigilante in the months leading up to the presidential election. His anti-establishment... Huh? Pink pistol-packing lesbian. Lesbian. I wish. (laughs) They've got my vote. But, like, of course, Trump loved that image. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. uh, Like, John Wayne man. Trump would kill people in the streets absolutely if he could get away with it. Oh, yeah. Oh, for real. Uh, To continue, his anti-establishment message took hold among a Filipino public weary of official corruption, sound familiar, and his brash over-the-top rhetoric, sound familiar, led to comparisons of him to U.S. Republican presidential hopeful Donald Trump, Uh. end quote. (laughs) And just like Trump in 2016, he was fucking elected and shit continued to hit the fan super hard. Folks should have known that this was going to get fucking terrifying when, quote, on the eve of his May 9th, 2016 election victory, Duterte told a crowd of more than 300,000, this is a quote from him, if I make it to the presidential palace, I will do just what I did as mayor. You drug pushers, hold up men, and do nothings. You better get out because I'll kill you. Yep. Do nothings? That's extreme. Uh, I mean, you nasty women and bad hombres. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's not, it's literally, you. I was reading so much of this guy's fucking campaign shit, a lot of which I didn't include just because time. And I was like, holy shit, he ran the same campaign as Donald Trump. He mm-hmm. was just like slightly more... Over the top, if you could fucking imagine. Slightly. It. And also, this is yeah. translated. So it's like maybe yeah. more literal. It's not as nuanced as what Donald Trump is fucking saying, mm-hmm. if you can even call that nuanced. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ugh, oh my God. I thought Boris Johnson was bad. Are we all caught up on mm-hmm. Boris Johnson? Oh. I don't want to talk about oh it. Likely he will just be a blip. There are fucking time. Trumps all over that. the globe. I f- can't. So Duterte beat four other candidates with a whopping 39.01% of the vote, which is actually like pretty decent considering there were four candidates. Mm -hmm. Um, Within the first six months of his presidency, more than 6,000 people were killed as a result of his war on drugs. Some carried out by police, some carried out by these Duterte approved death squads. But the vast majority of the killings were carried out by vigilantes that are emboldened by his rhetoric. Again, sound fucking familiar? Remember when everyone is all up in arms about Obama's death panels? And this motherfucker has literal self-described death squads? Yeah. Things are not going great if there are no death God. squads. Literal not dementors. Mm-hmm. Oh. There's dement there's death eaters and dementors. It's not good. Um, in a speech delivered in Tondo, Manila, he straight up told Filipino citizens they should kill drug addicts. He addressed the growing number of communist rebels in the area, saying, quote, use your kangaroo courts to oh. kill them to speed up the solution to our problem. 
A police officer anonymously reported to the Guardian that, quote, 10 special ops official police death squads squads had been operating and that he had personally been involved in killing 87 suspects, like this this officer. So 87 people who didn't get a trial, who could have just been anyone. So Duterte is basically saying, uh, take it upon yourselves, smaller police mm-hmm. forces because mm-hmm. this shit will never go to trial and your courts are bullshit anyway and this yep. is essentially a a federal command but mm-hmm. because yeah. it's just you doing this that I'll never have to deal with the consequences Yep, and yep. we will fucking get to cool. it. Cool, 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 Um, This officer described how the corpses were dumped at roadside or had their heads wrapped in masking tape with a cardboard placard <gasps> labeling them as a drug offender so as that the killing would... So that the killing would not be investigated. Yeah, I have so seen So if they photos. were deaths associated with this war on drugs, people are just like, oh, well, they were drug dealers or associated in drug crime. We're going to write it off as that, and we're not even going to open up any kind of additional investigation. So you so can you imagine could, a lot of innocent people died as a result of this. Absolutely. Yeah, you could just kill anyone and be anyone. like, drug, drugs. And they fucking did. Um, Duterte leaned super hard into the idea that the Philippines were a hotbed for drug crime um, that had to be eradicated, saying they were becoming, quote, a narco state, when in reality, the drug use in the Philippines is actually lower than the national average and still was at the time when his, like, whole war on drugs thing started. Isn't it illegal to spit in public in the Philippines? I don't know. I was too busy with all of this other horrific shit to look into that. I think you're thinking of Singapore. Oh, yes, I am. Um, I'm also completely certain that this motherfucker knew this information and was and is using his power to command others to carry out his fucked up bidding. It's also um, such a cover for drug gangs. If, 100%. If you can just kill anyone in the street and dump them and right. their murder doesn't get investigated. Right. Exactly. Talk about an opportunity to consolidate power. Also, mm. with drugs, there's a shitload of money, and with money, there's a shitload of political corruption. corruption. And, yep. So mm-hmm. all a real big drug dealer would have to do is get in good with those local uh, politicians yeah. slash Duterte. He's he doesn't give a shit about drugs themselves. Mm-mm. And that's not the issue. And I don't have any like direct reported evidence that that is the case, but that doesn't mean that that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, Human Rights Watch reports that, quote, according to the Philippine Drug Enforcement Agency, 4,948 suspected drug users and dealers died during police operations from July 1st, 2016 to September 30th, 2018. So that's almost 5,000 people in two years. All right. Everyone who's listening to this podcast, imagine everyone who's listening to this podcast, if you've ever smoked weed. Yep. You're um, on this list. Imagine that some motherfuckers just rock up to your house and kill you and dump your body on the sidewalk and no With one gives a shit. With a cardboard sign and that cool. says drug offender and they just tote you off into a mass grave and nobody fucking cares. It's mm-hmm. never investigated. Yeah. That's why, like, um, but, a, a few minutes ago you used the word innocent. Like, imagine how many innocent people were also killed in this. And I have to mm-hmm. say my in- my instinct was like, okay, you smoke pot every now and then. It, you're sure, not they're innocent. also innocent people. You know, it's just, ugh, it just... No, I completely agree with that. When I said that, I mean people who don't even have any kind of affiliation with no, drugs No, 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 I, I knew what you meant, but it was just, it was striking to think that, like, okay, you smoke pot, like, one, mm-hmm. conceivably once, 
and somebody yeah, in the eyes of this government yeah. that deems you not innocent. Ooh, that's yeah, insane. it's super fucked up. I hate it. Um, this does not include the thousands of others killed by unidentified gunmen. So that five thousand number not even is the full drug toll. users and dealers died during police operations, and a lot of the death squads are like vigilante justice. They're not police. That's so almost, it doesn't account for that. That's more than the number of servicemen and women who died in the Iraq war. Oh, yeah. And now we're going to get a slightly more accurate number because continuing this quote, according to the Philippine National Police, 22,983 such deaths since the, quote, war on drugs began are classified as, quote, homicides under investigation. 22,983. 22, so nearly 23,000 oh, deaths. Oh, my God. The exact number of fatalities is difficult to ascertain because the government has failed to disclose official documents about the drug war. It, it has issued contradictory statistics and, in the case of these homicides under investigation, air quotes, stopped releasing the figures altogether. No wonder. Like, I fucking wonder why, because it's horrific. Yep. I did not realize so that, it was that, that high. Number could I didn't be, either. That number could be, I, I mean, again, I'm speculating wildly, but, like, if they're under-reporting a number that's almost 23,000 people, mm-hmm. fucking, it could be over 50,000 people. Like, mm-hmm. that's not a crazy thing yeah. to, to speculate. It could be any number higher than that, and that's yeah. horrifying. So, Elected officials within the Philippine government have come out and asked the House of Representatives to conduct an investigation into the massive number of extrajudicial killings, but this administration basically called fake news and demanded evidence, waving off the request and never conducting an investigation into any of it. We demand evidence that you can only get from an investigation and we will not start an Mm -hmm. investigation. Without the evidence. But at this point, his administration had been sort of waffling back and forth. Waffle frying. Denying <gasps> waffle frying oh back God, and forth. It all comes back. It all comes back to waffles, which I desperately want. Um, uh, deny, uh, where am I? Back and forth between denying these claims altogether and just embracing the fact that they're fucking murderers. Um, in a classic dehumanizing response to criticism for all of these killings, Duterte said, quote, crime against humanity? In the first place, I'd like to be frank with you. Are they humans? <gasps> what is your definition of a human being? What? Oh, oh yeah, I have some choice fuck. Duterte quotes in here. Um, Senator Leila de Lima had spoken out in criticism of Duterte's war on drugs, only to be shot down with sexist remarks for Duterte himself about how she was, quote, an immoral woman who had Nasty no right woman. to criticize. And I know, I can't even, like, the parallels are fucking frightening. Mm-hmm. Who had no right to criticize the extrajudicial, I can't, I'm too drunk to say that fucking word right Extra now. Extrajudicial feelings. <laughs> EJ's, EJ ejaculations <laughs> BJ. because she had a very sordid personal and official life referring to rumors that she had been having an affair with her driver. Oh, because having an affair with your driver is so much worse than murdering tens of thousands right, of people. Right, or, or makes you unable to criticize extrajudicial killings because Nailed you it. maybe slept with your driver and thank you. I love you. God damn it. Also, you um, do you. Sh- Fuck your driver. Who cares? Right? Nobody it, cares. Layla. No one's dying over this. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, she was subsequently removed from her position and forced to leave her home out of fear for her safety. Great. 
She also reported Duterte harassed her, urging her to complete suicide. He sounds like a real peach. Mm -hmm. Though she was vocal about all of this and even tried to file a suit against Duterte, his administration focused instead on discrediting her by claiming she was, quote, playing the gender card Mm -hmm. as a shield against mounting evidence of her ties with high-profile drug lords and the proliferation of drug trade in the new Bilibid prison. Okay, sure. Straw man argument to the Mm -hmm. fucking max. This woman was not in bed with drug lords. Like, fuck off. So in an obvious effort to expand the ways in which he can command mass murder in the Philippines, he also pushed for the death penalty to be reinstated, specifically death by hanging. The death penalty was abolished in the Philippines in 2006, and he was pushing for capital punishment for, quote, criminals involved in illegal drugs, which is so vague. It could mean Uh any huge number of petty offenses relating to drug use or possession, like knowing or maybe like fraternizing with someone who uses drugs. Like that could fucking apply to so much shit. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, Literally all of my friends. Yeah, me. <laughs> every all of single, us. A- every person I know. Yeah. Are you fucking kidding? All of us in Denver. <laughs> I like can't. Um, I can't think of a single person that wouldn't fall under this. No, the right. only person I can think of is like my six-year-old niece. Yeah, children, and even some she children. associates with some drug users. Yeah. <laughs> Her aunt. (laughs) Um, uh, And he wanted to put this alongside violent crimes such as raped, armed, carjacking, and murder. So, like, all of these things would result in the death penalty. And, like, it just makes it so easy to hang people for, like, whatever the fuck he wants. Hanging. Ugh. Yeah. And he pushed specifically for hanging, which just, like, adds such a layer of, like, creepy grossness to it. There's an element of... it takes a while. And there's an element of publicity to it. Like, you can display... Yeah, like, the fanfare of it, you go watch. And it's very cowboy. He thinks he's Mm -hmm. a cowboy. He thinks he's a cowboy. He fully fucking does. And And on the drive, there are a bunch of photos of, of him, and he's, like, posing with, like, an automatic fucking rifle, and, like, he's so fucking in love with himself. It's cuckoo bananas. That's so fucking gross. The hanging. He does not have a leopard hat, but... Mm-hmm. He's got well, of that's other. one strike against him. Yeah, <laughs> just one. So the United States and other Western governments have distanced themselves from the Philippines, well, at least during the Obama administration. As a result of this escalating war on drugs, Duterte really doesn't give a fuck, though, and just does his own thing, while publicly sharing that he's sick of the U.S. lecturing him on human rights, but has maintained that he will uphold treaties and agreements made with the U.S., which I guess is good. At the time, he basically, well, I mean, he can't really afford not to because there is some, like, U.S. military support in the Philippines that he, like, desperately needs and shit. So, like, he can't go back on that stuff, but he also, like, isn't quiet about how he feels about the whole human rights aspect of things. So what is the United States getting back from the Philippines? Like, why is Donald Trump sucking his dick so much? We have we, trade with them. We used to, didn't, don't we have a massive military base on the Philippines? Yeah, there's a military base there. And then I think the U.S., and we'll kind of get to it, it's it like was one of able our to like sell and provide arms. Yeah. Mm. There's, there's money in war and money in military and money in arms. Ugh. Um. At the same time, he basically flipped Western countries the bird and decided to strengthen ties with Russia and China to have his needs met. So when the U.S. suspended the sale of assault rifles to the Philippines during the Obama administration, Duterte ran to Putin in fucking Russia to work out an arms deal. That's always a good sign. Great. 
Um, it's like, obvious- don't worry, I have got tons of nuclear warheads just yeah. lying around. There you go, bud. Have at it. Um, obviously, there are folks in the Philippines who are actively against this behavior, along with worldwide human rights organizations, but this guy is so fucking dangerous that he seems untouchable, and like there are activists in the Philippines, but they're terrified of him because he has publicly instructed police to shoot activists because they are, quote, obstructing justice. Oh, God. He also, in a move that would give Trump a huge boner, has, quote, curtailed press freedoms, even going as far as arresting journalists who report on his fucked up behavior for, like, bogus charges and just putting them in, in jail. Oh, wow. Holding the press at, like, in, mm-hmm. like, some sort of weird light as if they're, like, not obeying mm-hmm. your direct commands. Never mm-hmm. heard and of it. And stripping certain people of access to like press conferences and all kinds of shit. Like I can't even imagine a a a, a, div- a world that that would fly. Yeah, in. right. Shocking. Not great. Yeah. So activists against Duterte are still fighting the good fight against him, and although it's very slight and very slow, there does seem to be a tiny bit of a tide shift happening, and Duterte himself may not be brought to justice just yet, or who fucking knows if he ever will be. But the groups he is commanding are starting to be held accountable. So in September of 2018, a court in Bulacan province convicted a former army major general by the name of Jovito Palperon and two other military men for the kidnapping and illegal detention of Karen Empeño and Sherlyn Catapan, who were two student activists protesting against Duterte in the war on drugs. The two young women were taken into custody by these military agents, raped and tortured in 2006. The two women remained missing and it took 12 fucking years for them to even be charged and brought to trial, these guys in the military. In November of 2018, a Manila court found three police officers guilty for the murder of 17-year-old Kian De Los Santos. This is another, a different case. Um, in August of 2017, the police shot and killed this kid. He was fucking 17 years old while conducting a drug raid, but their version of events told a different story in which De Los Santos tried to flee when he noticed the police officers approaching him, but police claimed he had a gun and he fired at them and the police fired back in self-defense and that's what killed him. Um, Did he he have a gun on him when they got to him? Oh, we'll get to it. (laughs) De Los Santos was found with a bag of meth, a gun, and shell casings around him. But the whole thing was caught on fucking surveillance cameras, and it was clearly an unjustified attack on this poor kid. And the cops absolutely planted, like, the drugs, the gun, and the shells to stage the scene in their favor. And witnesses said they even saw the cops blindfold De Los Santos and make him hold and fire the gun for, like, fingerprints and shit. Oh, my God. And the release, this footage got leaked, which is, like, amazing, because I'm sure the government did everything they could to cover this up. Risky, yeah. Also, yeah, whoever yeah. leaked it is <laughs> probably Who dead. Knows? <laughs> I hope remained anonymous because yeah. if they didn't, you, you better fucking guarantee they're dead. Yeah. Um, so the release of the footage sparked outrage against the drug war and the officers who committed this murder actually had to stand trial and were found guilty. Um, and this shit, this seriously never happens. So like these are the two only times when anyone has been held responsible for these fucked up crimes. And none of it has even touched Duterte yet, but it's like moments like that give you a tiny itty bitty glimmer of hope mm-hmm. and hope that like more people are going to speak out. But it's so scary because even the person who leaked that footage absolutely risked their life to show some truth yeah. to what's happening there. And that's mm-hmm. a really sad and scary spot to be in. It's really scary. 
Um, Duterte has vowed to continue his anti-drug campaign until his term ends in 2022, if he doesn't just like decide he's not going to fucking leave mm-hmm. and do 20 years like he was for mayor. Um, in July 2018, he again pledged to continue the war on drugs, saying, quote, it will be as relentless and chilling as the day it began. Duterte Whoa. also vowed to protect police officers and agents carrying out the drug war from prosecution. So agents carrying out the drug war, that's any vigilante, that's a death squad, that's anybody. Mm-hmm. He's literally dangling pardons. Yeah, he's giving everyone free reign mm-hmm. to do whatever. And he went on to say, except for a few high-profile cases, the killings have not been investigated. So he's like telling people, do what you gotta do. It's I don't the care. purge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so command responsibility and the passing down of orders kept hush hush and under wraps are all fucking terrible enough but this monster is so blatantly out in the open about it that to me it makes him feel even more terrifying and dangerous like this doing my re- I knew this guy was a motherfucker and a total mm-hmm. terror like terror for, like I can't even describe it but the more I read about it I was like holy shit how is this even possible to be so fucking bad and then i'm like oh right hitler Mm -hmm. um so also all of this shit makes me super sad because his mother was an activist who fought for democracy in the philippines and her hard work led to this fucking bloodthirsty president being elected to power because despite people wanting a just like a just democratic system in the philippines the people in power are super fucking corrupt and at this point like power mad like this guy is i think completely insane oh yeah uh big time yeah to the point of, like, silencing people fighting for positive change. He doesn't want to be overthrown. He doesn't want to be questioned. So it could be worse than Trump, though the parallels in Duterte's rise to power and Trump's are not going unnoticed, and this rhetoric, fear-mongering, and rallying of support around messages of violence are a slippery fucking slope that we all need to be diligent about. It's a scary world we live in. Yeah, even if, um, even if you do support Trump in any capacity... It is your responsibility to look at other leaders around the world and mm. think critically and draw parallels. Well, he's aligning himself with. He's very blatantly aligning himself with this, but also talk to any staunch Trump supporter and then mm. they'll point out a hundred things that you have wrong. It's like, yeah. no, no, no. It's the verbiage. It's the execution, sometimes literally. It's the, mm-hmm. it's the, it's, this is the uh, whole concept of these policies. It's, it's alarming. Yeah, and you, it's really and you scary. Can't, you cannot put all of these facts in front of a logical person and for them to say like, oh no, that's totally different. Yeah. For them to judge one more harshly than the other. It's yeah. the same and fucking it, thing. Trump is also just openly friendly with this guy. And I know foreign policy is complex, but it also severely grosses me out to know that several congratulatory phone calls were exchanged Mm -hmm. after Trump's 2016 win and fucking Duterte's win. Did they not visit? They did. They also have had in-person visits. God. And Trump fucking said, quote, I just wanted to congratulate you because I'm hearing of the unbelievable job on the drug problem. Mm-hmm. That's what he said to Duterte. He Not can't even, even form a full sentence. <laughs> I know. Damn it. I know. All right. Shall we move on? He I'm said, really I'm almost upset. done. I'm almost done. He said these warm words of congratulations to the same man who said this. This is a, my last quote from fucking Duterte. Quote, 
Hitler massacred three million Jews. Now there is three million, what is it? Three million drug addicts in the Philippines there are. I'd be happy to slaughter them. At least if Germany had Hitler, the Philippines would have me. You know my victims. I would like them to be all criminals to finish the problem of my country and save the next generation from perdition. What? There's Trump's best friend saying he wants to be the Hitler of the Philippines, but instead of Jews, he wants to slaughter all the criminals. He's aspirationally aligning himself Mm -hmm. with Adolf Hitler. Yep. And that's our... (laughs) president's best friend and our president is praising the same man who said that for how well he's doing the unbelievable job on the drug problem that fucking illiterate piece of shit you know i (laughs) knew it was bad i knew this was gonna be bad but i didn't Mm -hmm. fully understand Mm -hmm. how Mm -hmm. fucking fucked up this is it's so fucking bad oh my god i've just been like rubbing my temples yeah I can't. I'm coloring so, this hippie. Thanks, Lauren Monson. Thanks, I hate thanks, it. Thanks, Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, thank you, Lauren, so much for it your was, generous It's a fascinating support. topic, and I think it's important for us to know what's happening all over the globe, and it's a scary thing to talk about. For sure. Just because it pisses us off and makes us rage drink doesn't mean it's not mm-hmm. worthy of discussing. Yes. Yeah. So special oh thanks to Lauren Monson. Thank you. Thank you so much, Nailed Lauren. It. Thank you also to Hannah Bowers. You're so mm. powerful with your $5 a month. Thank mm. you. We appreciate mm. it. Thank you, Erica Craven. I'm craving the extra sausage McMuffin I preemptively bought for myself, knowing how drunk I would be today. Smart. Yeah. I pre- She's smart. I preemptively asked Corey to make me dinner. I oh, have so cold smart. french fries from yesterday <gasps> Are they fridge. waffle or crinkle cut? Or They're t- just regular sort of fat french fries. Mm, kettle cut. <laughs> what are those called? Shout out. Steak cut. Kate. K- yeah, steak oh my God. cut. Caitlin Vickers, mm. I want to see you in your knickers with consent. Thank you, Caitlin. You're vicking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Olivia Young, you're keeping us young with your five bucks a mm. month. Thank you so much for that. Nicole M. Bab, like a babbling brook, we say your name. Nicole M. Bab, thank you for your $5 <laughs> a month donation. And thank you, B or Bea? Probably B. It's a B. B (laughs) Melnarowitz. Like it. Nailed it. You do not. You're like a narwhal. Melnarowitz. There. What? Nailed it. It doesn't make sense. Just keep going. You don't smell Narowitz. Never mind. What? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Bethany Beatty. You're a beauty in our book, Bethany Beatty. Thank you so mm. much for your or five bucks a month. Thank you, Kaylee Bush. Not going to beat around the bush, Kaylee. I want to thank you for your $5 a month donation. I want to thank you for giving me mm. Kaylee Bush. Mm. Oh. <laughs> thank you, Shannon Coleman. Goldman? Coleman. <laughs> Goldman. Coldman. You, you make me want to cook without my shoes on. Thank you, Shannon. Nice. You make me want to fire up the George Foreman. 
Coleman. <laughs> Thank you, Elena Sanitate. Sanitary. You're very sanitary about your $5 a month. Very sanitary. Sanitation. Okay. Thank you, Elena. Becky Sawoosh. That is the ultimate swoosh. Nothing but net, Becky Sawoosh. Oh my God. I played basketball today. Can you even? What? what is your deal? And every time the ball like just no. hit the net, I went swoosh no. like as if it had gone in, but it definitely didn't. I'm growing increasingly concerned for your welfare. Yeah. You've been abducted by aliens. I joined the YACA yeah. and I have to justify $83 a month. You know what I mean? Oh, That's a lot, actually. <laughs> Thank you, Crystal Witham. If you're mm. not with us, you're against us. Thank uh, you, Crystal. Oh Quick anecdote about Witham. There oh, no. is a car dealership in Cedar Falls, Iowa. Sorry, I'm burping. Called Dick Witham. It's a used yes. car dealership yes. called yes. Dick Witham. I promise we didn't dick with them. <laughs> Come on down to Dick Witham. I don't know who approved that, but <laughs> like, I'm here for it. <laughs> they ain't been dicked with. Come on down to Dick Witham. <laughs> I want to buy a car from there. Thank you, Hugh Atkinson. Hugh Mm. are so generous with your five dollars. Oh, Hugh are where it's Atkinson. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's my turn. Yeah, no, it's my turn. Thank you, Rochelle Durer. The rural juror, Rochelle Durer, (laughs) is giving ten dollars a month, which means you are gonna get a fucking patriarchy flexible wine glass in the mail. Don't put it in your dishwasher. Sure. Yeah, don't put it in the dishwasher. Somebody tagged us on an Instagram yesterday that their boyfriend put their fucking patriarchy wine glass in the dishwasher. And it could not have been more ironic. Also Goodbye. Dump him. Also, (laughs) and Kelly will also be getting a fucking patriarchy wine glass and we don't have to telly her not to put it in the dishwasher. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) Thank you, Megan Haley. Uh, We're thanking you on the daily, Megan Haley. Yeah. Hey, Megan Haley. Thank you. We'll send you a wine glass. Okay, I'm obsessed with this next name. Annika Zaff Willis. Zaff. Zaff. Could be Anika. Willis. It could be Anika. Annika. Annika. Anakin Skywalker. (laughs) Zaff Willis. Mm -hmm. You sound like you bring justice in outer space. You do. Yes. And I love it. And you definitely Jessica. have two little balls of hair on either side of your head. Oh, yeah. And Jessica Richter, your generosity mm. is off the Richter scale. Ugh. Thank you. <laughs> What's the uh, the name for like a, a Richter a smile? What? Like if you cut someone's mouth Richter. from ear oh, to ear. Mortis. Okay. No, Richter. A Richter smile. Anyway. The Andy Richter smile. Thank you, uh, Heather Lundberg. At fifteen bucks a mm. month, you're kicking off our trash queen love level, Heather. Do you know where the Lundberg baby is? Oh Heather. my God, where is Egg? <laughs> oh wait, Egg was didn't wasn't Egg the Lindbergh baby? Egg. Yeah. They found him in a ditch. Next. 
Anyway, I'm thank you, Heather. The loop. <laughs> Sierra Wells, hope you're doing wells. You're clearly doing wells if you're able to share fifteen dollars a month with us. Thank you so much. We're gonna send you that dusty trash. Love it. And we are gonna send dusty, dusty, non-perishable trash to Shannon Rutledge. Mm. Uh, don't be stuck in a Rutledge. <laughs> Join the wine coven. Love it. Nicely done. Shannon just did. Also, shout out to Alex Caballero, who Caballero, who increased their pledge from five to fifteen dollars a month. Friendly reminder: you can do that, which puts them at the trash queen level. And mm, we love. met Alex at our Austin show, and Alex writes, "Quote: As a current male to female trans girl, your podcast offers a safe space for us trans girls, and I freaking love you all. You have my support." Always. God bless, yes, Alex. Queen. Yes, Thank queen. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, Alex. Queen. That's very nice of you to say. Thank you so much, Alex. Uh, Andrea Gordley. Good lordly, Andrea <laughs> Gordley. I'm out of my gourd with excitement. Because <laughs> you've made a $10 once-off donation, and that reminds all of us that if you're like all of my exes and you are afraid of commitment, you go to our online store, wine and crime podcast cartel.com and make a once off donation in a denomination of your choice. Uh, so thank you, Andrea. This next donor did just that giving $25 once off uh, crafty ferret tech editing. So hmm. they provide tech editing of knitted garments and accessories and I don't know, I don't know what, what that, that means, means yeah. and I love it. <laughs> I'm assuming a crafty ferret executes all of these projects. Mm-hmm. I'm just imagining an adorable little ferret like fixing someone's knitted garment. Just like typing. Or like a, like a knitted iPhone cover. Or like putting a liner, like the finishing touches on like a crocheted sweater. You know like how- a crocheted tea kettle caddy that mm. can like alert your fridge when you need more tea. You know how you could find out by Googling crafty ferret tech editing and probably giving this person a little bit of traffic. I like that. And last but not least, we got Catherine Drombowski Drombowski with a $25 once-off donation. And Catherine says that this is an annual birthday present from me to you. And also... From us to you, Catherine. Yeah. Thank you. Happy birthday. Yeah. Also, Drumbowski Kath- roll, please. Oh, mm. good one. Also, Catherine says shout out to Chelsea. Don't know who that is, but shout out to Kelsey. Uh, and also, Chelsea. Catherine, we don't have any interns. We did read your entire note. And thank you for <laughs> being a gateway gal. We love you. So Woo-hoo! thanks, thanks all to right. all of our donors, and thanks for listening to this really uh, long, depressing, depressing episode. episode. <laughs> yeah. Love it. We'll talk to you next week. We'll depress you next week. <laughs> yeah, and go join Patreon if you want to hear the drunk dive we're about to record. Oh, my God, it's yeah. going to be good. Because I am still burping red wine, so this is going to be cute. <laughs> okay, catch you next week. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Wine and Crime. Our cover art is by Kala Yip. Music by Phil Young and Corey Wendell. Editing by Jonathan Camp. Check out our website and blog at wineandcrimepodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at wineandcrimepod. If you have questions, answers, or recommendations to share, email us at wineandcrimepodcast at gmail.com. Episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, basically wherever you get your podcasts. 
Most importantly, if you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. It really is the best way to spread the word. If you'd like to show your support and get a shout out on air, visit our Patreon page to keep this podcast and the wine flowing. Cheers. Hey guys. Hello, hello. I'm Haley Bedard. And I'm Alicia Long. We are the Misery Loves Garlic Bread podcast. We cover true crime cases and a bunch of weird and spooky things while keeping a lighthearted comedy twist. Our true crime part covers topics like serial killers, con artists, cold cases, and so much more. As for spooky, we're talking paranormal experiences, conspiracy theories, urban legends, and all things that go bump in the night. Join us every Sunday while we share a loaf of garlic bread, ramble on, and overshare way too much about our lives. Way too much, guys. (laughs) We're active on social media outlets. Find us by basically just searching Misery Loves Garlic Bread. Listen to us on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and any of your usual listening platforms. Hey, Alicia, where are we living? Oh, (laughs) on the spooky side.